To fight for our children. Well, the background to our scripture is that in Nehemiah's time, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. And so he was serving in Babylon. And he was in Babylon because his people were taken into captivity in Babylon. And so some of his people were able to return. And it had been years. They were in captivity many, many years. And some of them were able to return to Jerusalem. But because of that invasion of Babylon, the city walls were torn down. The city walls were were in shambles. And so Nehemiah, when he hears about the walls of Jerusalem, he gets a heart for his people. And he asks the king permission to go back to help rebuild the wall. Because how many know if the wall is torn down, the enemy can come in easily. When a wall is torn down, there is no defense and there is no barrier to the enemy. And that's why the wall needs to be secure. And so Nehemiah goes back, and there is a tremendous response of the people. The people come together, and they build up the wall halfway all around the city of Jerusalem. And it's an amazing feat. But guess what? The enemy, when they hear about the enemy of the people of God, when they, when they hear about what has happened and the progress that is being done, they, the enemy becomes furious. And the enemy begins to bring threats against the people. So what does Nehemiah do? He rallies the people together. And he says this to them in Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 14. Nehemiah says, Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord, who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Who we fight with. Who we fight with. As parents, when we perceive a threat against our kids, Right? We have no trouble in defending our children. I don't know if you've ever seen a mother bear in action, right? A mother bear will defend her cubs, cubs even though the enemy or the threat that comes against her is bigger than her, outweighs her, is more fierce, more dangerous. She will fight to the very end. And so we have no problem doing that. But I want to ask us today, what about when the threat is not perceived? What about when the threat is subtle or stealth? Nehemiah and the people were fighting against a real enemy. It was a natural threat. It was a real physical threat. But sometimes we as parents will be fighting against things that we cannot see. We will be fighting against supernatural threats. As Pastor had mentioned on Wednesday that we've been watching this series about the life of Albert Einstein And it's just a very interesting series. And Einstein, as he becomes a a very well-known scientist, physicist, he is in Germany. Because all the great minds in science were in Germany at that time. 
And these um, German Jews um, were greatly um, loyal to the German government. And so as the time goes on, it becomes at that time more anti-Semitic. There was a danger to the Jews and Hitler was actually coming into power. And the time of the Holocaust in that time was between 1933 and 1945. At that time, many Jews did not want to leave Germany. Because that was their home. That was where they were doing their livelihood. And they did not want to leave. And many people, when they ask about the Holocaust to this this day, they ask this question, why didn't the Jews just leave? Well, that's a complex question. And there are different answers. Um, But one of the reasons were is because they could not see what was coming. They did not understand how horrible it would be because they had never seen anything like that up until that point on such a wide scale. And so even though the things were beginning to change and even though, even though there was threats here and there, they could not perceive with their mind how horrible it would be. And that's why, one of the reasons why it took them a long time to get out. And by the time they wanted to get out, it was difficult for them to even leave because the borders were closing and they couldn't get out. I, as a parent, I did not know, as my children were growing up, what my children would struggle with. I could not foresee the things that they would deal with in their lives. Just like when I was growing up, my parents could not, could not see the things that the enemy was trying to plant into my heart and mind. And I want to say that each one of my children struggled differently because they are all unique individuals with different personalities. I had a one child who was an academic, loved to study. I mean, I, I would even say, no, come watch this movie with me. No, mom, I got to go. I got to go to bed early because I got to go to school the next day. I mean, that was my child. She was an academic. And then I had a child that was a sports lover. Ever since he was small, he loved sports. And that was his heart. That was his desire. And he he went on to play sports in school. And then at one time, I even had an emo kid went through this phase. So I've gone through all the spectrums of parenting. But I couldn't see at that time when they were young what they would deal with. And as parents, we can't have a foolproof plan. We will not be able to plan and prepare for everything that we will face. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do the best that we can. I feel like parents today are some of the most well-informed parents ever, and I think that that's wonderful. But as a mom of three adult children, try as I might, I could not foresee foresee what my children would deal with. And partly was because when I was growing up, I didn't have to face the things that they faced as they were growing up. As parents, our generations did not have to face the things that kids 
and teens are dealing with today. Things that we never perceived or never had to deal with. Case in point, COVID or fentanyl. We didn't have to worry about those things back then to the degree that we have to worry about that today. We didn't have to worry about, in my day, internet porn. That wasn't around at that point, as it is easily accessible today. And we didn't have to worry about transgender education. There are things that are coming that we cannot see. Issues that we have not been able to have seen before or have not faced. And we cannot, we are not able to control what will come. And there's another thing that we can't control. Our child's free will. We cannot control that. So as Christian parents, we are facing a real enemy. And we're facing a world system that is anti-God and is fighting against us. Have you ever had a a physical problem that, um, you know, you were facing some symptoms and you didn't know what you were dealing with? I mean, I I dealt with that like about a week and a half ago. and, And so I had some symptoms. And so then I, what do we usually do? I got my phone out and I started looking up those symptoms on the phone and, you know, seeing what I could possibly have. And then I said, Yep, I'm going to die, right? Because it just goes to the worst thing. And sometimes we do that to ourselves. Sometimes we're in an effort to be aware of things, which is not a bad thing. But we're, we're, we go down rabbit holes, right, on YouTube and, and we're like, wow, there's no hope for the world. It's going to all go down, right? And, and so sometimes we're focused on that on the things that are right in front of us, in front of our face, right? But we can be and should be focused on the one who is above all things, the one who is the Lord of all, the one who is able to work in the midst of trouble and trials. And Nehemiah said that, remember the Lord, our our Lord who is great and glorious. Because we need somebody who's bigger than ourselves. Anybody witness? You've come to a place and you're like, I need help in this. I need help. I need someone who is greater than myself because I can't make it on my own. And we're able to employ the help of the Lord in our home, in our personal lives, in our struggles. And God says, ask. Ask and I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So you are not alone in your home. God is with you and he will be your ally. Don't forget that you have someone who watches over you, who doesn't sleep or slumber. Psalm 121 tells us that. The one who knows all things and can do all things. And the one we can entrust our lives and our children's lives to. So we don't have to be afraid. When we come up against things that we have never seen or have never faced before. Threats that are daunting and dubious. 
We don't have to be afraid because there is someone who is fighting with us. The Lord is the one who is great in power and magnitude. He is the awesome God and he sends the enemy running. He's the one who rises up and the enemy are scattered. So we must fight for our children. Say that today. Fight for our children. And the second point is know what we fight against. Know what we fight against. Now, we might not be able to know what the enemy has planned against us, but we can know his strategy. Because Jesus told us what his strategy was in John 10.10. Jesus said, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, this is the enemy's battle plan for our lives and the lives of our loved ones. His ultimate aim is destruction. And the enemy is described as a thief. That's his nature. He can't help but to steal. And so anything he can get his hands on, his hands on, he will steal. And what he can't steal, he will kill. Now, it's interesting to me what this Greek word means. Because I always thought, like, kill, like, to take out, to murder. But this word actually doesn't mean to kill by murder. It's the Greek word thuo. And it means to sacrifice or slay. Like the killing of a sacrificial animal. What the enemy can't steal from us. He will try to get us to sacrifice. He will try to get us to lay down, surrender someone or something. And in regards to our children, the enemy will try to get us to acquiesce, to be silent, to give up our authority, to submit, and to believe that things will never change. You know, it's not easy when you are dealing with a prodigal child. I understand that. It's, it's, it's hard. It's one of the hardest things that, that a parent can face. And many times you will want to give up. You may be in that situation today when, when you, with that feeling of, I don't know if things will ever change. And it's hard. And I've been there. I've been there at that time of, of saying, God, I can't see a way out of this. And my heart was broken. And the pieces of my heart felt like they were shattered. But in that moment, when I cried out to God, he came and he mended my broken heart. And he said, you can go again. You can believe again. You can trust again. Because you don't have to trust in your child. But you can trust in the God who is unchanging and able, able to save. In regards to our lost loved ones, we are never to settle we are never to compromise because we have been given a God-given inheritance. Years ago, I heard a mighty woman of God, Pat Francis, share this passage. 
And I'm going to share it with us today. In the book of Exodus, chapter 7 through 12, we read of the deliverance of God's people. The Israelites were in Egyptian slavery. And Pharaoh, a type of the devil, a representative of, of, what the, of what the devil does, was holding God's people in bondage. Moses, the deliverer, stands before Pharaoh and tells him that Yahweh said to let his people go. So time and again, Moses comes before Pharaoh with that request for the people to go into the wilderness to worship God. And each time, Pharaoh refuses. And then God sends a plague. He sends plagues to afflict the Egyptian people. As time goes on, Egypt and its wealth is being brought to ruins. But but Pharaoh doesn't want to give up. And so finally, finally, Pharaoh relents and tells Moses they could go and worship the Lord, but only the men. But Moses doesn't back down. He says this in Exodus 10:9. We will all go, young and old, our sons and daughters and our, our flocks and herds. We must all join together in celebrating a festival, festival to the Lord. So Pharaoh digs in his heels, denies Moses, and has him thrown out. Finally, after yet another devastating plague, Pharaoh tries to get Moses to compromise yet again. He says to Moses, he says to them that he can take the people, he could take the men, he could take their little ones, but he can't, but they cannot take their livestock. Moses refuses and declares that they are all going, that they are all going, that all the family, all the little ones, and all the livestock are going, are going to go. And Moses says this, not one hoof will stay behind. And this is an example of how we are to deal with the devil. He will try to get us to back down, lay down, and surrender, but we don't have to. He will try to get us to bargain and say, okay, I'll allow you to worship the Lord, but not your children. Or I'll let your family go, but not your provisions. Well, devil, you're not going to get even one hoof. You will not get my children. You will not have my grandchildren, not my family, not my finances, not my stuff. And if you believe that this morning, will you declare with me, not one hoof. Come on, not one hoof, not one hoof. This is how we fight against the enemy. We do not surrender. We do not compromise. We do not even counter offer. We tell the enemy how it's going to be. Because God loves our family. And he's a covenant keeping God. And he will be faithful to his promises. We must fight for our children. Now I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. Because I want to talk about a sly tactic of the enemy. Because if the enemy can't get us to sacrifice our kids, the enemy will try to get us as parents to be the sacrifice. To believe that we are the ones that are to be on the altar. 
Dr. Douglas Weiss, in his, in his book, Prodigal Parent Process, writes this. God opens his scripture with an account of the type of parent he is. He first creates the heavens and the earth. He creates every living thing, and he creates a great environment for his children. He created Adam, and he spends quality time with Adam, teaching Adam, and they named the animal. He allows Adam to name the animals. So there could have been years and years of time with God. We don't know how long. And then God creates Eve, and he created marriage, his final masterpiece. So it's safe to say that God was a great parent. He created a perfect environment, perfect food, spent time with his children. He would be graded as a perfect parent. But it's amazing that after creation story, the prodigal story and the prodigal parent story is the first story told about God and mankind. In Genesis 3, we know that Eve was asked a question by the devil. Did God really say? And she and Adam clearly knew God's word about eating from that tree. It was the only rule they had to follow. Mankind became a prodigal by first doubting God's word and then by disbelieving God's word. And the consequences for disobeying God's word resulted as resulted in Adam and Eve being escorted out of the garden to live a life not based on natural abundance, but one of labor and toil. Here's the important part that I want us to hear as parents. After Adam and Eve sinned, God, this perfect parent, did not say, I didn't do enough for you. God didn't say, it's my fault you sinned. And he didn't say, what did I do wrong? God, as a prodigal parent, did not blame himself for his children and their behaviors. As parents, we should settle the mistakes that we did in raising our children We should settle that. An apology goes a long ways. And we as parents should be intentional in growing. But I want to remind us as parents that our child, our children, have a free will of their own. And we cannot control their choices. That is beyond our responsibility as a parent. And as parents, we, if we have made mistakes in the past, we can come to Jesus and allow him to close the door on the mistakes that we've made. Don't let guilt or the accuser of the brethren, the devil, be your taskmaster. Don't carry guilt in your lives. Don't carry the mistakes of the past. Because Jesus became the sacrifice 
so that we didn't have to be the sacrifice. He took our place. He forgave us. In fact, he let us go. He released us from the debt that we owed. And we as parents can stand forgiven, can stand healed and whole in Jesus. And let me say this. If you have sought as a parent to make amends and someone is repeatedly blaming you for their life and their actions, they, not you, need to take an honest look at themselves. We don't need to be the sacrifice as a parent. And we don't need to lay down and surrender. The Lord is giving us the ability now to go forward in Him. He has given us the ability to be free. He's given us the ability. I feel like somebody's being released right now. I feel like that in this place. You've carried something for a while. And you said, oh, if I just, if I didn't do that in my past, or if I, if I gave my children a better life. Well, today is the day of your freedom where Jesus said, I paid the debt and you get to go free because he did that with all of us because we all had a debt that we needed to, we needed to pay. But Jesus is that sacrifice. And finally, wall of prayer. There's an account in Acts 10, 1 through 4, and it tells us about a soldier named Cornelius. And this is how it reads in Acts 10, 1 through 4. At Caesarea, there was a man, man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. We see this account that Cornelius' prayers and Cornelius' offerings, they came up as an offering before God. These things got God's attention. It got God's attention. And that word for memorial offering in the Greek it's a word, menemasanon, which means a memorial. That by which a memory of a person or thing is preserved. A remembrance. Paul uses the root word of this Greek word in 2 Timothy 1.3, where he's talking to Timothy and he says, Timothy, I thank God night and the God that I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. That's that root word that means remembrance, memory, mention. Every time 
that we bring our loved one to the altar of prayer. It is like we're building a memorial before the face of God. Every time that we pray and we say, God, I'm coming into your presence yet again. I'm bringing my loved one before you. And I'm bringing them before you. It's like we're painting the halls of heaven with the portraits and pictures of our loved ones. It's like everywhere God looks, he sees our family. He sees our loved one. He sees our, our prayers. He sees them going before him. And if God sees our family before him, guess what? Will not the just judge act? Will he not move be, on behalf of our loved ones? Will he not move his hand? Will he not help? Will he not change? Will he not transform? I tell you, he will. He will. Our prayers are constructing a gallery of remembrance. Oh, when we pray, we're entering into a supernatural realm. And sometimes it gets hard because we can't see with our natural eyes what's happening in the supernatural realm. But when we pray, oh, when we pray, there's something that's happening. There's something that's shifting. There's something that's moving. Oh, we can move things through the hand of prayer. And a wall of remembrance that we're building up. And it doesn't matter. Time and space and prayer does not matter. Oh, we can be praying here. And our loved one is out there doing whatever. But when I pray here, the Holy Spirit touches them there. And he reminds them that God has a plan and a purpose for their lives. Oh, it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when that our loved ones will come back to the Lord. And that's why Jesus said, always pray and don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up this morning. I'm here to encourage you. Don't give up. Whether it's your spouse, whether it's your child, whether it's your brother, your sister, don't give up praying for them. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Oh, believe, believe God will answer your prayer. And Jeremiah 31, 16 says this. But now this is what the Lord says. Do not weep any longer. For I will reward you, says the Lord. Your children will come back to you from the distant land of the enemy. We must fight for our children. Let's pray this morning. Mighty God, Lord, as we sang earlier, Lord, you are in this place. Lord, you are in this place, Holy Spirit, and we thank you for the presence and the power of God that's in this place. And Lord, even online, as people are watching, oh, they sense the move of your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for confirming, oh God, your word. We thank you for confirming, Lord, that there is a shift happening. There is something greater, greater than what has been that will happen. So, Lord, we thank you for that. 
We thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And today I just want to invite you to come and, and to lay down your burdens to the Lord. I'm, I'm going to invite you. If you're saying that you're praying for a loved one, no matter who they may be, I'm going to invite you this morning to the altar as we build up a wall of remembrance, as we will stand in the gap, in the places where the enemy has torn down, we will stand. We will stand. And I thank God that, Lord, he, he will give us a picture because everything in heaven is complete. And so he will give us a picture of our loved ones, whole, sane, free from addiction, free from bondage, coming back to the Lord. The prodigals are coming home. The prodigals are coming home as we pray today. I'm going to invite you up to pray as PW sings this song. We're just going to move heaven as it is in heaven. Let it be so here on earth. Come on. Come on. I invite you to come. I invite you to come. Don't miss this moment. I invite you to come.